Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. There's Jerry over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know. I have nothing more to comment other than that. (laughs) All right. How are you, Chuck? Good. I'm great. Good. I'm glad. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Perrier. It's French, from oh, what I understand. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. fancy, fancy. I'm drinking just regular old dumb American water. What is that tap water? Don't drink that. Well, I mean, it's water. It's not out of the tap. Okay. You think I'm, <laughs> I have a death wish on my hands? <laughs> right. Uh, you know what I love if you're going fizzy drinks? Yeah. Best fizzy drink of all time. Uh, I would say San Pellegrino... Um, well, any San Pellegrino, They're but pretty the fizzy. flavored kind. Topo Chico. Oh, yeah, that's good. Jerry's nodding with emphasis. I've had one before. Yeah, the Topo Chico, I just like the plain. It is the fizziest of fizz. Is it? And uh, here's a little drink for you. Tequila and Topo Chico and about a half a lime. Oh. That's it. Wow. Low that's calorie, clean. Simple. Refreshing, simple. Meager. Delicious, meager, mm-hmm. disgusting. It's like what a uh, what a Quaker or uh, a, what a Quaker would drink, or um, a um, right. tequila, you know, a nice I'm reposado tequila. <laughs> who am I thinking of? I have no idea what you're talking about. No, who goes on rum springer? Oh, Amish. The Amish. It's what the Amish would drink. Very plain, straightforward, boozy drink. Oh, I think when the Amish uh, go on rum springer, they they probably go. Straight for the hard stuff. Straight for the Harvey Wallbangers? Well, I think they just they say, we don't need that Topo Chico. Just pour that tequila gotcha. into my stomach quickly. Man. <laughs> uh, so today, of course, we're talking about Faraday cages, Chuck. <laughs> have you ever been in a car that was struck by lightning? Uh, no, have you? No. I would talk about it every day. But you know what? If you were, you'd probably walk around saying, Everything was cool because the tires are grounded, man. Not not me. I wouldn't have said that. You would have said that yesterday, two I, days ago. I would have said it before, <laughs> sure. That's not true, though. It's it's not the tires, right? No. Tires are made of rubber for something like it, which is an insulator. It doesn't conduct electricity very well. But if a bolt of lightning hit your car, those tires are not nearly no. insulated enough to protect you. It's actually... Because your car is essentially what's called a Faraday cage. That's right. Which is why it jibes with <laughs> the topic today. That's right. Uh, name for Michael Faraday, the 19th century scientist. I don't even dude. think. Yeah, that. I mean, this guy was just amazing. He deserves his own episode for sure. Yeah, I'm a big. I'm a big. Uh, I was trying to think of a funny name for a Faraday fan, You're like a, a Faradan. Faradan. Faradaddy. Oh, that's a good one. Faradaddy. Faradaddy. <laughs> uh, but that implies that you have kids. But you can be a fair daddy. You can be whatever. Sure. You can be daddy to all sorts of stuff. That's right. We have uh, Stuff You Should Know Army. You're the fair daddy of the Stuff You Should Know Army. Movie Crush is the movie crushers. Yeah. And you, I just learned today what, uh, you know, Dak Shepard has armchair expert. Uh-huh. You know what his people are called? Uh, armchairians. Close. Is it really? Armchairies. C-H-E-R-R-I-E-S. Yeah, yeah, like cherry. You got the Murderinos with uh, My Favorite Murder. Sure. What else? Uh, I think uh, This American Life fans are called uh, middle-aged liberals. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) And that's all. No one else has a nickname. No, that's it. Um, 
I'm sure someone else has a nickname, but Faraday <laughs> and the Faradaddies, which is us and no one else, uh, developed something called a Faraday cage on the heels of the work of someone named Ben Franklin. Yeah. Should we say what a Faraday cage is first or sort I, of walk I through the history? So. No, I think a little bit, yeah. All right. Well, a Faraday cage can be any conductor of electricity. That's important. That surrounds something that you would like to protect from electro uh, an electrical charge. Right. Or it turns out also electromagnetic radiation, which is not the right. same thing. No. They're based on the same stuff, but electricity is a current of electrons moving through an object. Mm-hmm. Uh, and electromagnetic radiation or type of it is just energy flowing through the air. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't need a conductor. That's really the big differentiator between the two. Yeah, but it's it can be chain link. It can be wired mesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it can be your car. It can be solid metal. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about planes later on. Right. Planes technically are a kind of Faraday cage. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, it basically is there to protect what's inside, and has a range of applications now that has kind of grown over the years. And the the thing about a Faraday cage is that it's really weird. It's based on observations, like you said, by Ben Franklin and then really investigated by Faraday, which we'll get into in a second. But it doesn't quite make sense because if you um, happen to come along and there's a down power line Mm -hmm. and it's laying on an aluminum fence post. Like the ice storm, the movie. Does that happen in that movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to see that then. You've never seen the ice storm? Mm -mm. Mm, One of the great movies. I know. Yeah. I know, but then I go through periods where I'm like, I, I just I want something like dumb and thoughtless. Well, that's not the ice storm, right? And you also have to wait till the winter. You can't like I see. You can't plop down on the summertime in your backyard. And no, watch I the know ice that's storm. true too. That'd be weird. I'm trying to think. I saw something just the other day that was worth watching. Oh man, man, this is podcast gold right here. <laughs> I'll try to think of it. I'll keep I'll keep this little region of my brain right here going, trying to figure out what movie I just saw. Can you do that? Um, sometimes. All right. And then the rest over here is going gonna, is gonna to focus on Faraday cages. I can't do that. Mine's like Homer Simpson. My thought bubble just has a donut in it. <laughs> oh, th- this is this part right here. Uh, okay. That's your donut. So but, so, but hold on. So, um, so what were we talking about, though, before that? We were talking about uh, movies were – oh, uh, uh, electrical oh, down pa- oh, oh, yes. So, a Faraday cage is weird in that if you normally go up to a conductor that has an electrical current mm-hmm. running through it and you touch it, it's going to knock you out of your shoes like the kid in Stand By Me basically, right? But that was a train. The metaphor works. Or the kid in the ice storm. Well, now <laughs> I don't have to see the ice storm. <laughs> There's a lot more that happens. So um, – a Faraday cage is special in that it actually protects you from doing that, but it uses conductors. It's not some special insulator. It actually uses the very thing that should electrocute you to prevent you from being electrocuted. It's nuts. Yeah, the cage itself is a hollow conductor, and that charge stays on the exterior. It's like, here, let me take that electrical load for you, whatever's inside of me. <laughs> that was it. And okay. scene. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's actually the level of Ben Franklin's understanding of it from what I, I gather. I mean, don't what knock you just said. Ben Franklin. Because, I love Ben Franklin. Okay. He was great. He was, he was on the case. He was uh, – He was sniffing all over. He was sniffing – he sniffed it off the case. 
1755, he started doing a lot of these electrical experiments. Uh, obviously, everyone knows about the kite. Uh, one that has to do with the Faraday cages, he electrified, ran a current through a, a pint can, a silver pint can. Yeah, he was always drinking pints. Sure. And then uh, he lowered a, uh, a cork, which obviously has no charge, mm-hmm. like a little cork ball attached to silk, a silk string, which has no, you know, can't run a current through that either. Right. And he lowered it down into that pint glass, and it just sat there. It was like, what? What do you want? <laughs> yeah. This is so stupid. <laughs> this is dumb. It was a teenage cork ball. It was a, it was a very much a teenage cork ball, and it didn't do anything. But he pulled that cork ball out and then dangled it beside that charge can, and it went, Hacha mama, let yeah. me get a piece of that can. Humana, humana, humana. <laughs> Plus tax. So it, like, latched on to yeah. the outside of it, right? I just demonstrated it, everybody. That's why Chuck yeah. laughed. Uh-huh. And Ben Franklin was like, I have no idea what's going on here. I've only right. just preliminarily started experimenting with electricity. This is weird. And he wrote to a friend. He said, I, I can't explain this. Maybe someday you'll be able to investigate it. If you do, let me know what the deal is. Yeah. Um, but he was, the, at least on paper, the first person to really kind of notice this. It took Ma- Michael Faraday a mm-hmm. few decades later, probably about 40, maybe even 50 years later, to say, oh, I really want to know what's going on here. So he investigated it himself. Yeah, but, you know, if you really think about what Franklin did, it, 99 people out of 100 back then would have been like, who cares? What are you doing with um, that stupid yeah. cork ball? I got Like, I, why does this matter? Right. Like, you're hanging inside there. It doesn't do anything. You're hanging on the outside, and it moves a little bit. Yeah. But Franklin knew. He's like, this is important. Like, this is this will have an application. Right. So, like, that, therein lies the brilliance, I think. And the beauty of Ben Franklin. Yeah, sure. That and his hairdo. Yeah, of course. So, Michael Faraday, when he investigated it, um, he recreated the same experiment very famously um, a couple of ways. One, he lined a room. He built a room, basically, mm-hmm. and then lined it with um, foil. Mm-hmm. And then applied a charge to the outside. And put a small child in there. Well, he put himself in there. (laughs) Oh, did he really? And he hung out. Basically, I saw for a couple of days Uh in this Faraday cage with an electrical current being applied to the outside of it. He had a... a, um, a, That was good for the time because I made that joke, but usually at the time it's like... (laughs) Hmm, how about that kitten? Right. (laughs) You have no rights. Yeah, that cute bunny. Let me just exploit you. Um, So, yeah, so he actually did it himself. Remember we did that episode on famous scientists who were their own guinea pigs. Oh, that's right. He could have qualified in that respect for sure. But he demonstrated, okay, there's no charge in here. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this, this, there's something going on where this conductor itself is preventing the charge from coming in here. That was the first one. Then he followed up again with an ice pail, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, it's a bucket. Mm-hmm. And he's very famous for his ice pail experiment, which basically recreated Franklin's thing. And he said, I think I can explain this now. Yeah, it wasn't full of ice, though, just to be clear. No. And actually, there's still Faraday ice pails today, and they're made of wire mesh. Oh, really? Yeah, you got to check them out. Oh. Is that what you tote your ice in? Yeah, but they don't work very well. They work for like a couple minutes. It don't work very well. It don't work too good. So I say we take a break and then come back and try to explain what Faraday figured out. That sounds great. Okay.
Stuxnet. Who's Stuxnet? Say it one more time. Stuxnet. I don't know. You know it's Stuxnet. Is it in this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. Yeah, whoever Stuxnet. That's the name of it. (laughs) It's a great name. So Michael Faraday was a brilliant man, Chuck, Mm -hmm. in that he he took Franklin's findings and said, "Here's what's going on." Yeah. So if you listen to our March twentieth. 2014 episode, How Electricity Works. That was a good one. You, you'll, uh, it was pretty in, intense. I re-listened to a lot of it. Uh, we got into the weeds because that's a tough one. It is. I mean, electricity, <laughs> it's not like a slouchy subject, you know? No, but this is a, a Josh-written, simplified overview that is so much better than that episode, I think. Thanks, man. And it goes a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Uh, electricity, you've got metal objects and let's say it's a, let's say it's that tin can or whatever. Let's say it's a Coke can. The pint can. We'll go with stick with the pint can. I don't know why I changed the Coke can. Well, because we're in the South. Okay. We're from, we're in Atlanta. But, all right, it's a pint can. Okay. They don't make Coke in pints, or they should, or at least the cans. What's your favorite beer? Uh, I mean, I like Tropicalia these days. They that make comes a in a can, right? Okay, there you go. All right. So I've got a tall boy of Tropicalia. Also no, wait, Thor's wait, I changed drink. my mind. I've changed my <laughs> mind. we got younger listeners that listen, so. Oh, yeah. That, but I also don't want to necessarily push Coke on them. How about, um, does. Uh, hard seltzer? Does the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a White Claw can. <laughs> does um, the uh, Topo Chico come in a can? Let's say it does. Okay. I always have mine in a bottle, but let's say it comes in a can. All right. Just for the sake of moving on. There you go. All right. So you got that Topo Chico can. Mm -hmm. And it is a conductor of electricity, which basically means that, you know, these things have electrons and protons in them. Sure. And they can be both positively and negatively charged. Mm -hmm. If it was always uh, electric, you would – You'd go to pick up that Topo Chico and just get shocked. Right. It, but it, it's not – itself doesn't carry a charge. And no. an electrical charge is the force. It's the force right. of, of um, electricity. Um, when it's on the move, that's a current. And a conductor allows electricity to move through it. That's right. Like okay. those car tires. <laughs> right, right. No, that's the insulator. That's the opposite kidding. of it. Uh, and the, it can be positive or negative. It really just depends on the count of how many electrons to how many protons. Mm-hmm. If it has an equal number, it's going to be neutral. Obviously, it's, if it has more protons, it's going to have a positive charge, more electrons. It's going to be negatively charged. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a conductor, like that can, mm-hmm. there are lots of loose electrons flying around inside that. They're free to move about. And do their business. Right. So uh, one way to look at an electrical current is it goes from one thing through the next thing that it's applied Mm -hmm. to. And it does that by exciting those free electrons that are able to move. They start moving and they basically carry the electrical uh, charge through that. The, the current through the conductor. But under normal circumstances, you just got all the positively charged stuff and the negatively charged stuff hanging out, mm-hmm. not doing anything. And so that's why, like you were saying, you can pick up that, that Topo Chico can and it's not going to electrocute you. It's just a conductor. Right. But let's say that I was a superhero mm-hmm. with uh, electricity. I was Electron Man. Okay. And my hand... Like carried a charge. What are the uh, current? The fans of Electron Man would be the Electroniacs. Yeah, sure. Okay, Electroniacs. There you go. Uh, and let's say I reach for that Topo Chico can with my ele- my electrically charged hand. Okay. 
then you're in business because what happens then is you're going to have an, an opposite thing going on. All of those particles will separate, those electrons and those protons. That are normally just commingling out normally. They're all fine yeah. under normal circumstances. But all of a sudden, they separate, and all of the, the charge coming toward me would be the opposite, which would be protons. So if you're, it depends. Are you you as a, as well, I'm electron, electron man? Oh, you're electron man. Yes, yeah. you'd be negatively charged right. for sure. Yeah, or else it'd just be a total misnomer. That's right. So the protons are going to be attracted to the electrons in this case, or holes. I saw electron holes is another thing that can, oh yeah that starts flowing toward a negative charge. Okay. I've never heard of them before. I hadn't either. And this is called uh, electrostatic induction. Mm-hmm. When you separate out the positive from yep. negative charge in a conductor. That's right. And they're on the opposite sides of that Topo Chico can as soon <laughs> as my hand touches that thing. Exactly. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. That's basically what um, Ben Franklin was observing, and he couldn't quite figure it out. And this is what Michael Faraday recreated and was able to explain, that when you take a charged, an electrically charged external object mm-hmm. and apply it to a conductor, the opposite of whatever that charge is is going to go toward it. The The particles that are the same charge are going to move away from it. Yeah, they're repelled by it. And you have a good point in here. We, talk, we used to talk a lot about homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's going on here is that those negative electrons want to cancel out that charge coming at them with my electrified hand yeah. and just get back to neutral. They want to hang out with the protons again. Exactly. So they're trying to offset that positive charge right. with their own their own charge. But um, so that, the negative electrons and the positive holes, I guess, yeah. create an electrical field mm-hmm. on the outside. But it keeps that electrical charge to the outside. This is what Faraday found. It stays outside. On the inside... There is no electrical charge, which doesn't quite make sense until you start to dig into it a little more. And it has to do with that electrostatic induction where the positively charged stuff moves to the inside. Mm -hmm. The negative stuff moves to the outside. And because the inside is positively charged and the positive charge is also on the outside, they cancel one another out. So there is no charge on the inside. Right. And that's why Ben Franklin's cork ball just sat there. Yeah. Didn't do anything when he put it down in there. And that's why, I mean, I guess Topo Chico, it's a bad example because that would have a liquid in there. Well, we drank it already. All right. We drank it all. Yeah. We opened up that can. It's a giant Topo Chico can that we are standing in. Okay. Totally unharmed (laughs) because the electrostatic current is kept outside. Because here's – there are a couple of things that Faraday figured out that a conductor does in this sense that creates what we understand as a Faraday cage in that it keeps a charge from developing on the inside Mm -hmm. um, because it distributes the electric – electrostatic charge – just to the outside. It keeps it outside. And so it acts as a shield. Yeah. It actually shields a charge from coming inside. So when you're inside a Faraday cage, whether it's a giant Topo Chico can or your car or an airplane, you're actually protected from being shocked or electrocuted by the electrical field that is distributed strictly to the outside of the conductor. Yeah, and it's this shield that uh, – that's where the application of this really comes into play. Right. Otherwise, it would just be kind of a fun experiment. But then humans were like, wait, this is actually pretty important mm-hmm. because we can use this stuff. Um, how effective that shield is uh, is really dependent on what kind of Faraday cage you have. It can be – depends on the metal that you're using and how conductive it is. Yeah. 
Uh, it depends on the size of, like, if it's a, a mesh, it depends on how big the holes are. Mm-hmm. If it's, like, your old plaster and lath walls in your house, you might realize that you don't get as good of an internet signal in one room of your home that might still have that plaster and lath. Yes, because so there's a second thing that Faraday cages do. They're magic. I said they're really weird. It doesn't make any sense, but this is just what they figured out happens. The second thing that it does is, remember I said that uh, electromagnetic waves, Mm -hmm. like radio waves, gamma waves, x-rays. Microwaves. Yeah, microwaves. Um, those are a they're they're basically from the same family mm-hmm. as an electrical current, um, and so the Faraday cage actually prevents their intrusion as well. Right. So the second thing it does is prevent these kind of waves from coming in, uh, and it all depends on what it's made from and you know what the size and shape of the Faraday cage is. Right. Or getting out in the case of a microwave. Mm-hmm. If you look at that door of your microwave and you see a little grid pattern. Mm-hmm. That's a, a Faraday cage. Yeah. I say uh, we take another break and then come back and talk about some real-life applications in addition to uh, microwaves of Faraday cages. What do you think? Let's do it. Stuxnet. Who? Stuxnet. Say it one more time. Stuxnet. I don't know. That you is. know it's Stuxnet. Is that in this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. Yeah, yeah whoever Stuxnet. Stuxnet. That's the name of it. It's a great name. All right. You got your Faraday cage, your Faraday shield, your RF cage, radio frequency. All these are just different names for the same thing. Your EMF cage, electromotive force cage. Your KLF cage. Sure. KMFDM cage. What was was the first one you said? KLF. KLF. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what was that? Was that a group? The KLF, yeah. But they had like one song. They had it were a one-hit wonder basically. Mm-hmm. I think they were the ones that set a million pounds on fire. Huh. I bet they regret that. <laughs> they did. They actually held a, uh, a very um, unsuccessful Kickstarter <laughs> did to they really? get that million pounds back <laughs> years later. I was about to make a joke and say Kickstarter, but they really did. Yes, they did. Um, maybe they'll write us. I think it was KLF and not KMFDM. I can't remember. It might have been KMFDM. Who was it that uh, we thought was writing us at one point, but it was a fake? Louis Bega. Louis Bega. Yep. That's right. They got us good. Oh, <laughs> Only so now am ago. I okay to talk about that. <laughs> the Lou Bega incident. Yeah. It's a good band name. Jerry's over here laughing. She remembers Lou Bega <laughs> or the Lou Bega incident. Like he even uses. His picture uh-huh. on his Twitter handle, we're like, oh, well, that checks yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah got, that's, that's Lou Vega. He's verified. The mama number five guy. Um, <laughs> no, he wasn't even verified. That was the funny thing. I know. Thing. Dopes. Yep. Such dopes. So we have been talking a lot about the Faraday cage and what they can be used <laughs> for. And one of the things that can be used for is, like, let's say you're in a lab, in a science lab, and you want to conduct an experiment mm-hmm. in a truly neutral setting with no electromagnetic field at all, Yeah, because nothing going on. We said these are energy waves that are just flowing through the air. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Buddy. Yeah, so it can affect a lot of experiments. So mm-hmm. you might have 
a Faraday cage built for your science lab? That's a big one. If you are at a university that's more than a two-bit university, they're probably going to have Faraday cages here or there around some of their labs for sure. Yeah, of course. You want to go to a hospital and uh, look for a Faraday cage? Go take me to the MRI lab. And they'll say, yes, sir. Yeah. Click their heels together and take you to see a Faraday cage because um, the either the MRI machine or possibly the room that the MRI machine is in, maybe even both, mm-hmm. are outfitted with Faraday cages because for the same reason as when you're um, protecting your lab, mm-hmm. you don't want the, the uh, electromagnetic radiation interfering with the data that the MRI is taking in right. and screwing up the picture. And they'd be like, good Lord, this guy's got a tumor the size of a watermelon on his head. Right. Oh, wait, we forgot to build this in a Faraday cage. <laughs> yeah, it's not to protect... It's not like an x-ray. It's not to protect MRI juice from spreading through the hospital. I I don't know. I think it's to protect the the date. It definitely is. But I wonder if it's twofold or dual. I don't know. But then you'd have to have two Faraday cages working in opposite directions, and then the universe might fold in on itself in that situation. That's true. Uh, I mentioned airplanes earlier as a teaser. Uh, Cars don't get struck by lightning a lot, but you'll be— very scared to know that airplanes do get struck by lightning a lot, quite a bit. I don't think I've been in a plane that was struck by lightning, but it's, you know? I've been in situations where it's possible. But uh, this is probably a really dumb question. Like, would it make a big thunder boom right then? I don't know. I don't think that's a dumb question. It's a great question. Because I would say then you would probably know right. if the whole plane just went kaboom. The other way that you can tell is if you end up in an alternate universe that the Langoliers are eating. <laughs> That's the other way to know your plane was struck by lightning. But the airplane is fine. All the equipment, all the people inside are fine. With Balky, no less. <laughs> Did you ever see that? No. Okay. It was pretty bad. What was it? It was a Stephen King made-for-TV movie starring Balky. Really? Yeah. And it was bad. What was it called? The Langoliers. All right. I mean, just bad. I was just laughing because you were saying funny words. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good enough for me. As long as I'm getting laughs out of you, that's all I care about. Uh, so, yeah, that plane is a Faraday cage. Um, buildings can probably not purposely be built as a Faraday cage, but they can act as that. Well, it's like that that laugh, um, the wire mesh laugh yeah. that, that you apply the pas- plaster to you're talking about. Also with um, poured concrete, reinforced concrete, yeah. right? Rebar. The rebar in there, if you, you know, build a large enough structure, the rebar can accidentally act as a uh, Faraday cage. Right. And we said, depending on what electromagnetic radiation you're trying to keep out, you actually want to attune that or attenuate, I guess, the size of the mesh Mm -hmm. or the um, grid pattern, whatever, the chain link fence. It'll keep some stuff out depending on the size of the hole based on the wavelength of the wave. Mm -hmm. If the wavelength is bigger than the hole, it can actually be kept out. If the wavelength is smaller than the hole, Mm -hmm. then it's going to pass through fairly easily. And even if you do um, make it just right, it's still probably not going to be a perfect Faraday cage as evidenced in the case of a microwave, right? Yeah, like if you put your phone, your cell phone in a microwave and shut the door, don't turn it on. <laughs> no. <laughs> but if you just put it in there and called it, it would probably ring. Yeah, probably. Even though your phone operates on microwaves, yeah. um, but you 
your microwave just isn't 100% perfect. And I've seen everywhere where this is explained follows up with, don't worry, you're not going to be affected by the microwave radiation. Right. Um, Like there's like certain standards for leakage that have to be met in the developed world if you're selling a microwave or buying a microwave. So I still don't stand in front of a microwave, though. You probably shouldn't. You know? Just in case. But then now, Chuck, we've kind of traipsed into the territory where – uh, Faraday cages have really kind of made a big appearance in the consumer market, which is things like protecting from uh, EMF allergies. Oh, right. Like um, Better Call Saul's brother on the show. Uh, I still haven't seen that. Well, Michael McKeon is a okay. character. He plays a character. He plays um, Saul's brother. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a allergy to electromagnetic radiation. A like, true allergy or is it in his head? I mean, they explore it like it's in his head. But okay. they also explore it like it's, you know, from his viewpoint, it's happy, it's yeah. real. And it's basically the nocebo effect is how I've seen it explained. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people out there. And you'll see in the show where he's wearing like um, a solar blanket, like mm-hmm. a metallic blanket yeah. that he believes is, is um, you know, blocking – electromagnetic radiation, everything from visible light to radio waves to gamma rays to x-rays, all of this energy flying through the air, some people believe that it has a um, pernicious effect on your health. For Everything I've seen scientific-wise says that is not the case. Right. But there's still, obviously, there's people who are like, no, there's this one study once that found this, mm-hmm. and it says that your cells are not happy when they're exposed to radio waves, which is why I wear a foil line suit whenever I leave the house kind of thing. And it's a real it's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Especially if it's not true. It's just as sad if it is correct. Right. And these people are suffering and nobody can help them. Right. You know, just like with the hum or Morgulons. Who said it? Was it Fauci? <laughs> oh man. Was it that rat? <laughs> yeah. That guy doesn't know anything. Uh should we leave that in there? It's a joke. We'll find out. Okay. We'll see. We'll test our own temperature in the edit. All right. Uh, they do um, power utility line uh, line lines workers. Sometimes they'll have these special suits. You, and if you have an EMF um, allergy, you probably yeah. want to get your hands on one. That's a right. Bit. Uh, you know, that's how one of my uh, granddads died. I think I've told that story before. He was a power lineman. A Wichita lineman? Uh, not Wichita. Um, I'll bet he knew Tennessee. that song. <laughs> Man, I didn't know that. Chuck. Yeah, he, he that. got zapped in the top of a, a telephone pole and wow. knocked him out, you know, 25 feet to the ground. I'll bet. And it didn't immediately kill him. Oh. It, it is essentially what killed him. Yeah. Like How long did he linger? I don't know. I mean, I was he died when I was like five-ish. So I only remember meeting him like once. And he was, you know, he had a hospital bed in his house. Uh-huh. And my grandmother was a nurse. So she basically just kind of cared for him for the rest of his life. Oh, so this wasn't like a couple days later. Like he. he no, he lived for years after wow. with like brain damage and uh, yeah. I wonder how much of it was from hitting his head and how much of it was from the juice. Well, I think most of it was from the fall. Mm. But if technically that's what caused the fall. So Man, I always say. Poor guy. Yeah, he wasn't a very good guy. I'm not oh, saying really? he deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't deserve that, but yeah, he wasn't a good person. I gotcha. So feel bad-ish. No, you don't want bad things to happen to anyone. Right, right. Except maybe Hilter. Yeah. <laughs> Did Hilter do these paintings? <laughs> <laughs> All time great, man. 
the government. They're also obviously going to protect uh, sensitive equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, they're going to build special rooms. Yes, yes, because here's the thing. If you are afraid of electromagnetic radiation going through you and mm-hmm. you're trying to keep it out, you can also keep electromagnetic radiation from escaping. Yeah, like if you want to tell sensitive secrets mm-hmm. or send sensitive documents, yep. you're going to have a special room in the White House or the Pentagon mm-hmm. that is tricked out to, to shield uh, to keep anyone from listening in, basically. It has essentially a reverse Faraday cage. Yeah. It keeps the electromagnetic radiation from leaking out, which sounds like who cares if electromagnetic radiation leaks out from a computer screen or, um, you know, the, an Ethernet cable or something like that. It turns out you can actually tell, you can gain information from capturing this leakage mm-hmm. and converting it into data. Yeah, what was the guy with the – I mean, this is a little scary considering what's going on in this country right now. But uh, was it in Holland? It is. I'm not really scared by this. I think it kind of goes to show just how – Far-fetched? Yeah, okay. far-fetched. It's excellent, Chuck, far-fetched. The guy named Rob Gongrip, <laughs> who's a Dutch computer expert. Uh-huh. That's how you say Dutch names, by the way. Yeah. Um, like you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, he uh, figured out that you can electronically eavesdrop or electromagnetically eavesdrop on the voting machines that they were using in the Netherlands. Right. Um, and he showed that he could gather the refresh rate or he could determine that the refresh rate on the computer screen slowed down when a name that had an accent or a special character was being displayed. Mm-hmm. And he was able to take this leakage – from like 25 feet or something like that, from these voting machines, converted into a sound. Mm-hmm. And when somebody from the uh, Christian Democratish Appel Party, and the E has an accent over it, mm-hmm. was voted for, the, the, uh, the tone actually changed. Yeah, that's interesting. So he could say they got one vote or something like that. But not manipulate that vote. No. But I could see in this country <clears throat> that story being dug up and used – you know, right by dummies. Yeah, for sure. But the 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 point is, if this guy can do something like that, you can bet that like a, a very well-to-do state that wanted to electromagnetically eavesdrop could probably glean some pretty important right. stuff. So yes, you probably do want to put your most sensitive conversations, uh, government state secrets in mm-hmm. a Faraday cage enclosed room. Right. But the average person's vote is not going to be, you know, in jeopardy by rope going grip. <laughs> you know? I read about this guy from Holland or the Netherlands or someplace like that. <laughs> <laughs> who's that, Alec Baldwin? Yeah, it was Alec Baldwin. Good job. Uh, I tell you, who else might have some Faraday cages are uh, like preppers, survivalists. Yep. They probably have Same a, reason. a Faraday cage or two that they, may be homemade. Hate rope gone grip. Yeah. Can't stand that guy. No, but that's they worry that um, of electromagnetic pulses, which we talked a lot about in the uh, space weather episode. Oh yeah, you remember we? I mean, we said like if if one of these things An really EMP did happen attack. from space weather or from a bad actor, mm-hmm. um, one of the other like Baldwin's, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Uh, you, you can really lose all of your electronics, which is another reason people build Faraday cages, not to just keep out or mm-hmm. keep their 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 own electronics from leaking information, from keeping electronic um, 
uh, noise from coming in and disrupting right. their own stuff. If a big one hit, it could just blow your circuits right out. The human body, your electronics, they're designed to use and run on electricity, but only a certain amount. Mm-hmm. When you overload that amount, the, the system tends to fail. And that's why survivalists and preppers believe in things like Faraday cages to protect their equipment. Right. The problem is, is when you take it out and use it, if space weather actually happened right then, your Faraday cage is useless because you're outside of it. Yeah, and I guess if you're uh, really uh, sort of paranoid and have a lot of money, mm-hmm. you can have your home. Uh, there's this place called Holland Shielding that makes a wallpaper with copper woven into it mm-hmm. to prevent someone from eavesdropping on you. I also saw there's something called Mu Metal. And it's like an iron-nickel alloy that works really well for that, too. I got a guy coming over next week. That's awesome. I'm going to put that all over my house. Are you prepping these days? <laughs> no. I'm prepping for a nap. <laughs> there you go. Fluffing that pillow. Yeah? Yeah. What else? You uh, a, little, a little warm milk first? I've been able to nap a little bit these days. It's good. I still can't. Still can't? Nope. Do you try? Mm, every once in a great while, and no. Can you me nap? No. We're not nappers. Yeah, I, I enjoy a nap. I've kind of embraced the uh, the true siesta. Like, you know, I get up really early. Right. I stay up really late. Party so all night. I don't get a lot of sleep at night, uh-huh. but I'll try and get a 30-minute nap in at some point, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's working pretty well. What do you do at night? I mean, that's my time. When you got a little kid, that's like once they go to bed, you're like, that's your time. How Fi- late finally. do you stay up until? Jerry's nodding. Uh, you know, I'll stay up. I mean, it depends. I'll go through phases where I'm in bed at 1030, but yeah. usually I'm, I'm a midnight man is what I like oh, to call is myself. That right? And then on the weekends, that stretches into like 1 a.m. What and time do you get up? I usually get up at around 630 or 7. Yeah, that sounds right. Wake up 630 or 7. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm about a six-hour-a-night guy, maybe That's, a 30 minutes. That's all you stuff. need. Yeah. That, I think we talked about it. You're getting up early these days. I get crazy emails from you. <laughs> what I'm are you like, doing, Chuck? <laughs> it's so early in all caps. Yeah. I know I actually try very hard to uh, be cognizant of what I'm emailing you early in the morning because I know it might be some of the first stuff you see, and I don't want it to be like, hey, we got to do this. The sky's falling. I've been good about the not opening my email, though, till till work hours and then shutting it down. No, no that's the way Nine to, to five. It. Jerry had a talk with me once where she's like, I don't know if you should email people on the weekends or in the evenings or whatever. I'm like, what do you mean? And then I stopped and thought. I was like, totally. So I've adopted that as well as, as best I can. Yeah. You know what you do? You just make a note, email dumb uh, dumb at 9 a.m. on Monday. Sure. So I use the drafts folder now. Oh, okay. There you go. I just don't send it. Yeah, or do that. Don't even make a note. Yeah. I don't even need a note. There's like an extra superfluous step. I write the email. I just don't send it. I leave it in the drafts. That is very smart. So you want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, Well, if you want to know more about Faraday cages, go check your car out. Uh, And since I said that, it's time for Listener Mail. Oh, wait. Wait. There's one other thing, Chuck. If you are have a car and it's a convertible, look out. It doesn't have a Faraday cage. You're very susceptible to lightning, which is another explanation for why your tires don't actually save you because if you're in a convertible car, it's not a Faraday cage so you're toast. All right. Now, listener mail. Now, listener mail. I'm going to call this uh, the next email in my inbox. 
And this is actually good because rarely do we read uh, suggestions for episodes on the air. Mm-hmm. But this is a good one, and I think we're going to want to do this because it also ties in with today's episode. Okay. Today's special. Hey, guys. Writing in with the topic proposition, I think it would fit perfectly to what you're doing. Eels. Oh, that's a great idea. Electrical eels. I don't know if I ever would have thought about that. I probably wouldn't. Uh, Let me see who this is. This is um, Michael. Thanks, Michael. From Poland. Michael says... That was it? No, no, no. Michael goes on to say, they're just incredible creatures. uh, And it was mind-blowing to me when I discovered that we still do not know much about them. Have you ever eaten eel? Uh, Like sushi? Unagi? Of course. Yeah, I buy that at the uh, Japanese market and then cook it at home. Oh, you do yourself, huh? Yeah, you just bake it in the oven. It's delicious. They're not much to look at, but boy, are they yeah, tasty. it's good. Uh, Freud, before going into psychoanalysis, studied eels, trying to find their reproductive system. Wow. Uh, a feat not yet achieved for thousands of years. All European eels come from one place, the Sargasso Sea. Uh, eels travel thousands of miles after they're born. <laughs> what was that pause? Uh, I just wasn't, I didn't want to read the parenthetical. Oh, okay. uh, eels travel thousands of miles after they're born to the lakes, wells in Europe, and then come back mm-hmm. when they feel they're ready to undergo metamorphosis and reproduce. Neat. Uh, let me see what else. For many years, people thought uh, they were observing different species of eels, but in fact, they were the same eels at just different stages of their life. So we basically just did a mini episode on eels with special guest Michael. Sort of. Michael also sends a New Yorker article, uh, oh, well. a book called The Book of Eels. Okay. It says, P.S., I love what you're doing and how you're making interesting topics approachable with your great and easygoing attitude. Keep it up. All the best from Poland. I hope I can see you live one day. And that's from Mikal. I would definitely go to Poland for a show. I would, too. Yeah, cool. I've never been to Poland. I haven't either. Let's do it. Closest I've been is uh, uh, Hungary. Yeah, same here. You've been to Hungary? Sure. Great. Place. Budapest? Yeah. Which side did you stay on? Uh, we stayed on the Pest side, but we, you know, went back and forth. Sure. Yeah. We also went to that um, uh, that Turkish bath that the beginning of Red Heat was filmed in. Oh, okay. It's really awesome. I don't remember which side I stayed on, to be honest. It was so many years ago. So the left or the right? I don't remember. You don't remember? <laughs> no. I don't. I mean, this was uh, 30 years ago. Oh, okay. Th- 27 years ago. This was 2015, I think, for me. Yeah. I was drunk on Bull's Blood Wine. <laughs> I, th- I remember that. Remember I know that? you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Either you told me about that before or else I saw it myself. I don't think I tried it. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Michael, Mikhail. Um, and that was a great idea. And an Eels episode will be forthcoming one day. If you want to suggest a really great topic, we love that kind of thing. You can wrap it up and send it off to us at stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.